Welcome to another special refocus edition of Engineering Heroes. Today, we're going to be talking about items, engineering items. My name is Melanie and joining me today is Dominic DeJoya. Hey, Mel. You're looking forward to this episode? I'm definitely looking forward to this episode. It's always interesting what people come up with as the the engineering items that impress them most. Yes. So every episode we actually ask our engineers what is an item that they are fascinated by and some of the comments that we get are really, really interesting and we're going to get to some real honourable mentions towards the end but what we're going to go through today is about four of the top items that were discussed by our guests in season four. Now to get us kicked off, some of our guests actually were quite general and said they liked anything like oh just everything that I use in my day-to-day life you can't actually go down the street without you know taking a moment to be impressed with oh look at look at all these amazing things that we take for granted that engineers have had a hand in (laughs) so I find all engineering impressive. Like if you think about any kind of engineering, even if you just see a, a plane in the sky, it's it's pretty amazing. So that was Nicole Locke and Alexander Radulovic. And I have to admit, I totally share their sentiments. The things that engineers have made over the years are completely amazing. But what we're going to do is go into a few of the engineers that we've spoken to that have really identified some great ones. Now, this item has come up many, many times throughout all the seasons of Engineering Heroes. So many times. Like, I even have made a T-shirt about this item. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Actually, I've got a T-shirt. I've got a Sydney Harbour Bridge one, and I've got a... um, I think you've just given it away in regards to what these are about to talk about. What's the other one? That's the one in um, Scotland. The Fourth Street Bridge. Fourth Street Bridge, yes. Those two bridges are definitely in high rotation, but this section is all about bridges. Well, I've got to say that I love bridges. I know that might (laughs) sound a little bit boring, but I love bridges because I see them almost as being a representation of pure engineering. There's nothing to hide. There's no cladding. There's nothing to mask the ill decisions. Often they're designed around getting the load from one place to another. And I've done some bridge design work in my career and it's beautiful, pure engineering. So I do love a good bridge. I love what they represent in connecting people as well. Big bridges. I mean, bridges were probably the thing that got me interested in engineering first and certainly some of those like the the Golden Gate Bridge and that and Sydney Harbour Bridge that you still look at them and bridges are an emotional thing I think for most people if you know even if you know nothing about engineering you you can't help but but go wow when you see what they do it's amazing it always comes back to bridges on this podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> so many people talk about bridges that was Alicia Maynard and Sean Brady there and I have to say they weren't the only ones loving bridges what do you think about bridges Dom? A little bit on the spot there. Um, They're amazing pieces of engineering, but I think mainly because they put art into the engineering. There's some absolutely beautiful bridges that are out there. So it's not just that whole functional aspect of it. Some of the, the bridges around the world are some of the most astonishing pieces of art and sculpture that I think that you'll ever see. 
Well, I love that uh, the 3D printing bridge that's going on over yeah, here. Yeah, MX, I mean, it's been MX 3D, yeah. Yeah, definitely that is something to be watched. So I can completely understand bridges. And if you're in Sydney, there's a charity thing called Seven Bridges Walk that you walk across seven bridges and it would be an amazing event, that one, if you are at all like our engineers here who love bridges. So the next item on our list is, I reckon is going to be Dom's personal favourite. If you're going to talk about space, then yes, that definitely is one of my personal favourites in the engineering realm. That was something that uh, Matthew Dunbabin spoke about, actually. Something that's really impressed me, I actually didn't really appreciate engineering to its fullest until probably about eight or ten years ago when I watched a series called Moon Machines. And this was on the US space program. We know know about the rockets and those types of things, but the engineering that really impressed me was pretty much three technologies. One was a spacesuit. You know, nobody's ever thought of a spacesuit. And they actually combined with textile manufacturers, I think it was Playtex bras, to actually come up with a solution to keep people alive in space. The other one was, before that, we didn't have computers. The ability to create integrated circuits sort of came out of that program. And then just general thinking about, well, how do you fold up a lunar rover to fit in the little side of a capsule, no bigger than five by five feet, you know? And it just astounds me that that technology is 60 years old. It's not that old, you know, and we've come so far. And and that's what really impresses me, the, the ability of people to really think outside the box when there was no solution at all to come up with something that eventually put a man on the moon, but I think just the individual technologies and engineering themselves are marvels in their own right. So it was really good. And Adele really liked the ISS. So the International Space Station. I always need to do that because, you know, all these acronyms, (laughs) International (laughs) Space Station. I really, really like the International Space Station and how that was engineered. I, as a kid, look, I love the environment, as you know, and... My dad also taught me a lot about space, so love love what they've done with the International Space Station. The fact that you know it's the size of a football stadium, is it's it? huge. It is, <laughs> and the way they assembled it, I think they they sent it up in fifteen different parts, and they constructed it all up in space. So yeah. Now this next item is something that Dom and I have a personal attachment to, in a way. Would you say that? No, maybe not. I know I do, but I don't know why you do. Well, it's just because we went to it just last year and, you know, the kids had a meltdown and it just it really did c- cement for me about the Snowy Mountain Scheme. Yeah. yeah just that uh, they've got a really great interactive centre that has been set up and if you're down that way at all, I would recommend that you go and check it out. But a number of our engineers have actually this season, I can't believe how many have actually spoken about it. We actually got to speak to Rosanna Mosley, who was working on Snowy 2.0, and that was really quite a highlight of the season. Yeah, it was very impressive. I must admit I didn't know that much of the details about it when I first came to Kuma, and I've just been learning more and more and more about it. And working with Snowy Hydro, learning about the operation side of it, which as a design engineer, you don't get a lot of that. And it's a pretty impressive scheme. It's not just the individual tunnels and the dams, it's how it works together. It's a very intricate system and very impressive. And after visiting the interactive centre, it really just highlights all the the marvels of engineering that went on, particularly in regards to 
the, the scope and the enormity of the structure when it was first created and the tools and resources that they had when they constructed the Snowy Mountains Phase 1, was it was just amazing. It was a, an amazing feat of engineering. And actually, James Glastonbury spoke about this topic, you know, how amazing that initial Snowy Mountain scheme was. And he really did put it into a, a global context for us. As a, as a geotechnical engineer, it's hard not to be intrigued by the Snowy 2.0 scheme. I certainly am intrigued and impressed by those pioneers that delivered the original Snowy scheme. Without a doubt, it's one of the feats of engineering globally. It just happens to sit on these shores. I think that, for me, stands out as, as something of a benchmark. There are projects around the globe that have absolutely shifted the needle in terms of the engineering profession. You look at things like Panama Canal, mm. the Snowy Scheme, some of the great iconic buildings around the globe. And, you know, through real challenge and stretch, we've refined and improved the art of engineering along the way. And I think in that... You know, challenging what you did yesterday and trying to do better tomorrow, and that might be through a really bold feat of engineering or it might just be on a, you know, a fairly simple act, but you're going to do it better than you did it yesterday. With every one of those incremental or grand improvements, we make the world a slightly better place with each and every effort. Yeah, That, for me, is, is what engineering is about. That wraps up our initial items and they were very popular. So the Snowy Mountain Scheme, Space and Bridges, they were you – know, every every season they're pretty strong. Snowy Mountains was the one that came in new this season. But I have some honourable mentions here, definitely. I love that we had a few sort of that were really out there, the things that we'd never think of and things that, that really are – marvels in regards to engineering so tom pointed out crash test dummies oh i'm lucky enough to work with pieces of engineering that impress me every day and that crash test dummies really impress me because it's really decades of research going into each body part to understand how it moves how it responds to an impact what you have to measure in that body part to relate it to injury and then understand like what level of that measurement does an injury occur? So that's just been decades of research in itself and it's often this worldwide collaboration with different labs to understand all these factors. And then at the end of it, you have to build this humanoid thing out of mechanical components to incorporate all of that information. What are they like to move around? Are they, are they heavy? Well, I'm assuming yeah. they're, they're the same weight as what they're representing so but yeah. they're a dead so, weight too so, so sure are they really are they really cumbersome to kind of move anywhere they are yeah me and the lab manager at the road safety center joke that we'd be terrible at uh moving a dead body because they're, they're very heavy and very cumbersome and yeah a dead weight is hard to maneuver definitely and this one is 
definitely something that I had never even heard about before. Have you heard about it before? No, actually, I hadn't heard it. I, I, oddly enough, had seen pictures of it, but I hadn't put two and two together. So Adrian Piani introduced Domini to the Deathridge wheel. Yeah, the impressive engineering is something called the Deathridge wheel. Deathridge? Deathridge, yes. Uh, You can Google Deathridge, invented by Mr. Deathridge in 1910. If you go to the irrigation areas of Australia, Mildura, Shepparton, Griffith, they were very common. They were everywhere. Basically, a big wheel that was used to meter water. Ah, oh, right. big metal wheel with fins, and it sat within a concrete emplacement. And you know, the quicker it rotated, the more water went through it. And if you counted the rotations, then you got an estimate or a measurement of water flow. And so, measuring water flow, getting a measurement of water, was fundamental to how we've managed irrigation in Australia, uh, and it's enabled us to do things like the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, which we couldn't have ever done if we just didn't do the basic thing of measuring water. And why I've chosen this one was it was invented in 1910. We basically used it for 100 years. It was fit for purpose. It could be tweaked and maintained in the field. It wasn't high tech, but did its job. It sits in a river and measures the flow and allows you to calculate yeah. how much water is passing it's, through. I'll say it sits in a channel. Uh, a river's okay. too big a uh, <laughs> structure for this poor death ridge wheel. But at every you know, farmer's fence, if you like, when the water channel came to their fence, there was this death ridge wheel turning yeah. and that's how we measured water. It was reasonably accurate if we looked after it. Mm-hmm. And now... Now it's actually been replaced by some great Australian technology, which is really fantastic. It's called the Rubicon system, but it's really an automated computerized system that manages the flow of water in our irrigation channels automatically. Whereas, again, for the last 100 years, we did it manually. And Australia is really at the forefront of creating great technology to, to manage water distribution in an irrigation setting. So that's our refocus episode today on wrapping up some of the really interesting engineering items from season four. We hope you enjoyed it. I know that it's always fascinating to hear about what other engineers find inspiring and you know what feats of engineering actually drive them to, to create their own sort of engineering story. Yeah, definitely. And thank you for listening to Engineering Heroes as we present the new dawn of engineering challenges for Engineers Australia. You can view show notes or more about our podcast by visiting the website www.engineeringheroes.com.au. If you've enjoyed today's show, all we ask you to do is go and tell someone, tell everyone, either in person or write a review. It's that easy to show your support for engineers everywhere. We look forward to you joining us next week when we bring you our last refocused episode for this season.